0: Many of you may know Croatia from the feats of the last Soccer World Cup, and indeed it's a country which punches above its weight in many sporting fields. For some though, the contribution of Croatian migrants to Tasmania may be less well known. Croatians were in fact a major group in the era of post-war mass migration from Europe to Australia, and Tasmania was certainly a part of that with the construction of the big hydroelectric projects in the 50s and 60s employing thousands of migrant workers from Croatia and other European countries. But Croatians have left their mark in so many other ways on Tasmanian society. And to find out more about Croatia and the Croatian community in Tasmania, I could not be speaking to someone better than Davor, who has been a radio announcer on the local Croatian language radio and has been an active participant in the Croatian community in different roles. He's also a fountain of information about Croatian history and culture. And I'm very grateful that he's agreed to share more of his story of coming to and living in Tasmania. And I hope you, dear listeners, will join me to learn more about Davor and his story.
1: Uh, I had no idea I was going to come to Tasmania uh, as a 14 and 15 years old boy my parents decided to move my family were already here, bulk of my father's uh, brothers were in Ballarat uh, Victoria and it was a logical choice for them to come but living under socialist communism, Tito's uh, regime it was a wise thing for my father not to talk, not to tell anyone simply, you know be zip up <laughs> so to speak and moved to Italy and then from Italy straight to Australia. That's how we ended up here and my mother's brother was here in Hobart. So we came to visit him from Victoria. The rest is history. (laughs)
0: And and what what time was that? That
1: was in late 66, uh, yeah, when we arrived here.
0: And was it at the time, was it an easy matter to get out of the former Yugoslavia?
1: No, not at all. Uh, Generally speaking, you had to be sponsored by someone, and the system, which is the Communist Party membership, uh, decided whether you are perhaps a threat to them or whether you were the keeping there for whatever they needed you for. Or alternatively, you were a burden, uh, which means you are non productive, you are not part of the system, and they decided to use, if I can use the word, Uh, former citizens uh, of the day uh, simply to go outside and send the currency back to the common system and that's how they managed to cover their debt to cover uh, whatever they needed uh, foreign currency particularly dollars Uh, were highly sought after by them always that was the primary reason why diaspora was allowed to sort of go after 66, I think, uh, okay. after around the period that Tito opened up the borders, and many, many went to Germany as uh, Gusterbater, they call them guest yep. workers, uh, and they ended up staying there today, this very day, actually, some of them. So, consequently, part of Croatia became. Uh, mercedes land as we call it now the dumping ground from the second hand german cars
0: how did your father get out of yugoslavia then
1: he basically <laughs> followed his brothers <laughs> okay. if i can use the word uh, go to italy where most of my uncles ended up immediately after the war coming from a city called Zadar, where we were occupied uh, by mussolini's uh, forces And uh, that wasn't what we really wanted. But uh, again, uh, in hindsight, and I wasn't born then, but uh, what I can see and what I could hear from uh, people who lived under that uh, regime of of, uh, fascism, if you like, for them was better due to the very reason they were trying to win the people over. Mm -hmm. So they were giving them a sweetener, incentive, encouragement, to, to accept them. But uh, people, being people, as if I can quote or para-quote my grandparents and my father, grandfather, I used to say, they're all occupiers. They're all the same to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether they're Germans, Italians, Hungarians, Yugoslavs, as I call them, so they're all here because they're occupiers, mm. not because they want something Mother comes from the island Uglian uh, uh, which would be equivalent to uh, eastern shore, you can imagine that, um, pretty much mile from the Zadar, Z-A-D-A-R, and Zadar was under Italian occupation. Uh, around, if you were to draw a circular border around it, uh, probably about seven kilometres, that was Italian territory. Uh, but the sea coast below, mile, channel literally that actually wasn't that was half Yugoslav half Italian right so that was a tricky one and at night according to my mother and people who lived I didn't live it so I can't confirm that uh, that's how it was but uh, they used to walk along the foreshore and the big spotlights floodlights military be shining at them trying to see what sort of activity is going on so there was a, another way of interrogating people, frightening them, and in uh, reality, that's the way it is.
0: What are your memories of Zadar when you were
1: oh Oh, yeah. oh they're very strong memories. It's something that I will never forget. Uh, Zadar is an ancient uh, city, very, very old, multi-layers to it, and... Right back to ancient Yadri, which is the people of the, uh, if you like, like indigenous people in Australia, uh, to the arrival of Slavs who came down from the uh, northern, and some came from the south. Uh, So it's a multi-culture, multi-gene pool, if you like. Um, and We constitute, genetically speaking, many layers. Yeah. Uh, Romans were there. Mm-hmm. Ancient Greeks used to trade.
0: And, and I should explain it's it's on the it's on, on the, the coast. Sea, on the yes, coast, uh, yeah,
1: if it. you like, it's a little bit like Hobart, sort of city equivalent, uh, give or take, except the age. <laughs> did
0: you go to school in? the Zodal
1: Yes, also? I did. Yes, I did. I, I finished my high school there. We I did my high school actually, and uh, at the last week we left, just yeah, at the right. high school, you know. Yeah, it was a, I always had a good memory. Particularly uh, Zadar, uh, for me, it was a we are a fanatical basketball uh, city. Uh, we've never. I think the irony is, Croatians are very good at soccer, demographic, demographically speaking. Uh, for four and a half, four and a bit of a million people that they have currently. As you can see, we we managed to yeah. be second in the world.
2: You, the
1: Things have changed so much, uh, but they are actually jumping out of their skin to become Westerners, as we say. You know, they're trying to be more Pope than the Pope himself, if you like. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what they are. They all seem to be... They want to forget what their background is and move on into the Western side, even though a lot of them actually lived it um, previously, even, even though they had a Tito, Tito's regime... Everyone was always watching American movies. Everyone was always watching American music or listening to American music. Um, so, I mean, I, I knew about... I mean, Chuck Berry, I knew that under Tito. We knew about that, you know. We knew yeah, right, about man. the twist and this and that and movies, Hollywood. And the more they say, no, no, that's bad for you, the more
0: you want it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You,
2: the sun
0: says are your sort of first memories or first impressions of Tasmania?
1: Ooh, uh, oh, they were mixed, mixed, very mixed. Um, first days in school, uh, having a uniform, which we didn't have uniform, first of all. Uh, we right. didn't. Obviously, uh, we came from a so-called mixed school from day one. In school, I found it odd and strange that uh, we was sort of... Be divided into the two groups, boys and girls, always okay. constantly. Whereas that wasn't a policy of the day. I must give uh, socialist and uh, communists a uh, 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 really plus because I always found it strange uh, that we, you know, you know, sort of somehow boys were always looking at girls, and, uh, strange girls, you know. <laughs> to me, it was, was perfectly normal because in the classroom, we're actually even encouraged by the teachers of the day to sit boy-girl, boy-girl, rather than two girls together, two boys together. Yep. Segregation, if you like. Uh, and that that simply didn't exist because we never had a private school. It was a state-sponsored uh, with the idea that uh, you are better off to be integrated. And I tend to agree, back in hindsight, because yep. I never had an issue when it came to female. I found that... Uh, Sometimes very strange when somebody used to say to me later on, when I grew up, he said, ah, oh, you're a male chauvinist. And I really couldn't see why you're calling me chauvinist. I've always treated girls as, as, as girls. You know, that's, that's it. I mean, I didn't want to treat them any other way because that's the way I was brought up and that, that was normal, absolutely normal uh, for me. And so there were a couple of things. And that actually, uniform, I liked actually the idea uniform. Uniform doesn't discriminate. That's one good thing about it. Yeah. That's, that's a plus, definitely, yeah, from my perspective. Because um, under socialism, without a uniform, you can differentiate who's wealthier, who's not, even though this is a socialism. Yeah. Uh, because you can see little, little tricklets being shown off. Hey, I've got more than you. Uh, mine is worth X amount of dollars because people... In socialism used to go to Italy And buy expensive Western things And come back and show off naturally Yeah And those particularly late on Who had a parents or a parent Who worked as a, uh, as we say, Gusterbaten uh, Which is a guest worker in Germany Would come home and he would buy his son A bicycle, expensive jeans uh, In those days where uh, American jeans Were sort of sought after highly and um, of course, you go to school with those kind of things. Hey, where the hell did you get that from? Mm. You can imagine, you know, in China under Marzi Tung, you know, walking around with American <laughs> Wranglers or Levi's and that kind of thing. That's, that's no, no, no. It's a uh, comrade, you shall wear the denim uniform like everyone else. And <laughs> um, that's, that, that's where you could see the difference, uh, obviously. So that's just one example. Yeah. But there are many others. That's interesting, even a little bit ironic,
0: I suppose. It is, it
1: is. Uh, You you take it for granted and some of the things I immediately did notice, the difference being uh, the assembling, the God save the Queen immediately in school. There was a a sort of bit of a a shock, wake-up shock. I I didn't object to it, to be honest with you. You know, when you grow up in in, the Iron Curtain or under the, the... what we call a barrier between mm. the West and the East. Yes, I mean, it's a, when you're young, it's sort of hard to comprehend all that. Um, but you start comparing quick smart mm. because uh, suddenly when you're exposed to one all for the you know, early s- stages of your life and suddenly you come into another and then sometimes you have to actually ask yourself or pinch yourself if you like, well, hang on a minute, not everything is rosy here. This is not how how they taught us back in the other place, mm. and then you know they were not telling you the truth too. Mm. But you can see here they're not telling you the truth about the other side too. Mm. So you start to process things in your own mind. Obviously, when you're young, you haven't got a wisdom yet, but uh, but you're not blind. You can see the difference. You know, If you intelligent, if you've got ability to process yourself and you come from a reasonably well balanced uh, background and uh, as a Catholic I was a regular church girl I wasn't actually that was to me in my family was a uh, if you like spite you know you're know, you you're not encouraged not there's not God there's not this and that and course, the more they pushed us, there's no God, there's the only comrade and Communist Party. The more we went the other way.
0: Oh, okay. So, so you're there was reacting, just that, you're reacting well, exactly, against,
1: yeah. you know, as the old law of physics says, for every action, there's always going to be equal and opposite reaction, and there was a opposite yeah. reaction.
0: And did you? I mean, I guess when you arrived, you wouldn't have spoken. Do you speak any English? No English. I only started picking up bits and
1: pieces of Dr. Kildare, the American, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the doc, the American show. Uh, we got a black and white TV. Uh, somebody actually brought it from Germany, I believe, in, at the time, because, you know, Iron Curtain luxury was, we certainly didn't have American color TVs or whatever Americans had. Uh, we are lucky just to have a box and we all stare like monkeys at a TV, you know. And Dr. Kildare was uh, one of those shows then. Uh, so, but we didn't actually spend that much time in front of TV or radio as a, yeah. as a rule. And I'm glad I didn't. Uh, I was, uh, we were basically outdoor type, creating yeah. our own fun. Did you go to school here straight away? Yes, I did. Within, uh, I think, first few days, actually, I went yeah. to register. Yeah, it was the, Elizabeth, the end, of, end of Elizabeth High School days.
0: Okay, yeah,
1: so that was quite interesting, and unknown to me. There's a whole lot of ethnic people there, all sorts Italians, Greeks, uh, Germans, you name it, uh, good old Aussies. Uh, <laughs> uh, some, I didn't even know who they were. They looked Dutch, I believe. Yeah, Dutch, that's it. And you can see all the different names, but you, you don't, at a time, I couldn't register who was who. You know, it just looked like. And then. Um, funny part was when we started playing sport you know, teacher said PE teacher said uh, do you play sport sport and he showed me the baseball <laughs> um, yeah don't know much about baseball but I'm sure I can throw a thing <laughs> You know, I was confident in that and then obviously during the school uh, recess time and uh, lunch hour, you, you copy what others do some went to the rubbish bin and a cricket bat others went to the uh, Be a wall with a tennis ball and play handball. So um, that was a bit of a novelty for me. We played basketball most of the time, really, uh, where I came from. That just nature, as I said. We're hooked. When a basketball game is on, the whole city comes to halt. That's it. Yeah.
0: There's
1: nothing. It's a little bit like uh, AF, the VFL in the old days here. Yeah. Uh, when Victoria playing the finals, the whole Victoria is up VFL. And that's what it was mm. to us. You- i was practicing shooting the hoop for hours and hours during my school holidays you know you had to be better than your next door neighbor obviously otherwise you're not good (laughs) good enough if you like so it was, yeah, it was interesting in that sense. But soccer, yes, uh, we played soccer, but I didn't know the word soccer existed until I came here. Uh, <laughs> cause to yeah, us,
0: like a lot of Europeans. Well,
1: uh, to us it's football. You, know, yeah. you call it, or it's a German word, we say football. you know, football. And coincidentally in school, uh, I, unfortunately I didn't study English, but I did study German. That was yeah. uh, my cho- chosen language of the day. I had an option. Uh, I was pushed or encouraged uh, in polite words by comrades to take up the new language of the world which was russian Uh, yeah yeah, right (laughs) yeah Yeah, most of us looked at each other russian yeah you gotta be joking so we all took either french some took english and i chose german because uh to me it was a lot of german tourists and i saw the german then because of the all the guest workers there uh, as the common more more actually used language of the day than anyone that i actually dealt with uh, even though my uncles uh, were using english here i didn't know that at mm. the time because we didn't know too much about australia until i came here
0: when when you were first sort of settling into life in tasmania what, what were some of the things that were most difficult or challenging for you to adapt to oh it was a cultural
1: things and uh, I immediately missed that acapella singing that was normal mm-hmm. for us absolutely normal uh, doesn't matter whether you're a, you know if you're like pro or whether you're amateur but it's a normal thing to express yourself mm-hmm. group kids adults uh, females whatever to sing is just perfectly normal you know and uh, often when I came here and no one there Publicly, you know, open the mouth. And I couldn't understand that part. There was something that I was missing terribly because a cappella singing, it's a, it's a therapy, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, uh, recently I came back and my school friends all got together. We sat around a table. I actually got a video <laughs> um, here. And you know what? We sat there had a coffee, chatted just like we are here, and spontaneous singing came. Mm-hmm. Bang. And I just could not believe it. That might, Even there, my hair stands up, as you can yeah. see. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's that part that, that you put on a back burner because you, you accept the fact that that's not part of the culture and you don't want to swim against the tide, as I say. You know? but, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's not within you. It's, it becomes um, somebody, I don't know actually who, but I was told often, uh, give me a child the age of 12 and i give you back an adult yeah and i was by by definition adult then and uh, because i was 14 and a half nearly 15 at the time so i was already set in my own way i knew who i was uh, historically i was pretty informed because history we didn't study what australia studied here uh, or what i saw anyway in australia uh, captain cook and onwards was focused uh we studied ancient history from uh, egypt chronologically right through yep. to rome and etc and to the modern and and it was fairly accurate until we got to the communist revolution then he became
2: one-sided
0: when you first it was there already a fairly developed croatian community in hobart and. Um, Yes, there there was a
1: club uh, I I learned since then. It was uh, pretty much uh, the early, the very early people who came here after 40s, and they were the drive, two or three people actually got together and realised there's a number of Croatian single men who were going, as my father put it, the further the better. That was the motto uh, of the day. Most people who came from Croatia wanted to get away from communism. The further, the better, and that's Tasmania was consequently one of the places which was ideal, mm. particularly if you come from, from the coast, because you could see the resemblance, the sea. Uh, and if you're, um, if you like, if you're born on Brunei Island, you're not going to go and live in, inland somewhere. Mm. That's just not part of you. You, you know you part of your culture and um, you tend to stick with sea and Tasmania being islands ideal uh, I always liked Tasmania as I, said, I lived in Sydney for a couple of years and uh, for, for what it is as great as it is Sydney I wouldn't swap it to be honest with you after a while you know just uh, it's just too big too too much uh, of you sucks too much of your time uh, you, your, your precious time you, you know and when you sit there and calculate it how much do you lose going out to work, out back? That's two hours a day. Yeah. No, I haven't yeah. got that time to, to waste. <laughs> that's yeah. that's just me. That's the way I saw it. And uh, and also, if you live in one area, be it Homebush or say Bondo, or wherever you focus there, you go to yeah. work, you come home, you go to work. You've never been on the, to the other side. You know, literally. Yeah. That's you true. know, so it's uh, so stretched. Then I thought, nah, no. Nah, How about it's a city, it's a town. But it's not too big, and I, I
0: always liked it here personally. What kept you in Tasmania?
1: Oh, my parents, my mother uh, and my father, naturally, and I liked Tasmania personally. I liked the fact that I could go fishing. I liked the fact that I could go surfing. I liked the fact that I could uh, do what I want. And later on, when I became adult, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of issues of the nuclear potential between the superpowers. And it became logical to my way of thinking I thought, if I'm going to be anywhere and there's going to be this mad world, hey I want to be in a mad world, down south, right down <laughs> south. That's the only place that I felt safe. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you. And uh, I always liked it down here, and my parents were of the same opinion. My both parents were here and they're buried there here. so I guess we well and truly really put our you know roots here. You- what did your
0: parents do work-wise
1: when you first came My f- here? My father was in the building industry. One of the reasons why he wanted to leave Yugoslavia basically so much was that uh, he never wanted to be a member of the Communist Party and uh, at construction site he was always told, Comrade, if you want promotion, you want to get somewhere, you've got to join the Communist Party. And... Been stubborn as he was, um, being proud, patriotic, Croat, he said, Well, I'm here for my skills, not for my political beliefs. Uh, otherwise, I'd be in politics. And there was a the wrong thing to say. Mm-hmm. So, that definitely the wrong thing. As an adult now, I can see why. So, he became a target. They said to him, Oh, ah, well, you can have it your way, but we ha- in the end, we could call the shots. And that made it pretty much hard for him. There was no way he's going to get somewhere there. <laughs> It's uh, So he decided to follow the footsteps of his father, um, brothers. And so what did he do when he first um, came he here? He actually got a job immediately. It was no mm. problem. Uh, he worked, I believe, was a Royal Hobart Hospital Extension as a builder.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: with a, a group, group of building. And then um, he spoke Italian. There was a secondary language to him because uh, Zadar was under Italian occupation. He actually completed all his education in Italian, oddly right. enough. So to him, Italian wasn't perfectly normal. It's yeah. like to me, English now, it's uh, exactly the same thing.
2: You, the
1: it is known fact that crowds assimilate very quickly, if I can use their respectfully assimilate word. We probably, with exception perhaps Germans, I don't know, uh, who Else is assimilated that quickly into Tasmanian uh, within one generation. Croats have. We cross culturally married. Uh, I mean, I married Italian. Uh, my uncle married a Tasmanian brand, all the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and this is all within one generation. First generation Croats who came here, yeah. they married local girls. So, and that's very common with Croatians. Uh,
0: and so, um, do, do many people still speak the language here? Yes, we do. I do. Yeah constantly
1: uh, I've, I was brought up and I believe for person that uh, to know another language is actually good for you yeah. first of all it's good for the mind because you're thinking in stereo not in mono and if you're going to be talking to microphone it's better to talk on two channels than one Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and uh, that's, uh, it's an, you know, I'm not going to go into uh, medical or scientific part of it, but you know, those who study that they do believe that it is better for yeah. your mind. Yeah. Uh, because you, you, you're done processing done more. Re-
0: research on uh, Alzheimer's. That yes. shows people who yes. have a second yeah. language that, that delays the onset of um it,
1: I'm a, kind of-, of the personal experience that that is better for you. Uh, I practice both languages and I'm grateful to my mother who was always adamant. She was always said, look, this is Australia. Respect it. It's given us everything what we got. But in my home, you're going to have my rules. My rules are you're going to talk to me in my mother language. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like most of us, when you're young, you basically yeah yeah mum yeah 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 and then you with your siblings talk in English naturally but she will every once in a while remind you she insisted and you know what I'm glad she did later on you realize she actually did me a favor Mm. because I got involved in radio and uh, I to this day am surprised I don't have any issues I can go to Europe I can go to Croatia I can go wherever I want to and Most people uh, complimented me recently on my creation that uh, I still speak as the day I left, literally.
0: Talking about passing on the language, have you done the same with your kids that your mother did with you? Try to make them.
1: I was uh, previously in a cross-cultural language uh, situation where my wife uh, was Italian. And I was Croatian, and it was hard for both of us to decide which language you will use with children naturally. My mother always spoke to my children in Croatian, mm-hmm. and both of them did acquire a fair bit of knowledge, including my autistic son. Surprisingly, he's actually uh, one of the autistic children that probably knows more than most of the autistic children I've met. He had the capacity to suck up things thing like a sponge. He just uh, I guess that's a autistic character. Yeah. Uh, he actually does understand. You can tell him whatever you want, and he used to turn around and comment in in Croatian. People say, "What's he saying? What's he saying?" And uh, yeah, that was um. So uh, yeah, it'd be fair to say that I did uh, give him. Oh, they went to Croatian school. My daughter went to Croatian okay. school. We had a Croatian school on and off. I don't want to sort of brag here, but uh, yeah, I was behind for two this is the third time actually i revived the school and my wife current uh is actually was a school teacher uh so she taught the young ones and this is on a saturday sunday weekend school if you like ethnic school
0: you've been quite involved in the tasmanian croatian community Yes. So how did, yes. how did that
1: all start? Oh, that started pretty much within a few weeks uh, of arrival. I went to the club. Uh, my uncle took me there to show me where there's a soccer because I, I was immediately asking, you know, what's going on? Is there any soccer? Is there any basketball? Basketball in school, I found that was pretty much non-existent. Uh, from my colleagues then, there were a couple of uh, Croatian guys who who've been here for three four years before me and they told me that nah, there's nothing here to do with the basketball okay soccer will do yeah so i said yeah there's a club here and they just started uh you know with the soccer and they'll do me and i went to the club with my uncle and uh, uh, one of the guys actually came from Dubrovnik. actually he was uh, yeah he was uh, running the bar at the time he said to me, do you play soccer I said, yes, but, uh, you know, coming from Zadar, I said, so basketball, I prefer. And he said, you'll do. <laughs> you'll do. And he just laughed and he gave me one of those jerseys, you know, that somebody used and it shrank. And the must have boiled it, whatever it was, because it was woollen and uh-huh. shrank. And he said, how oh, big are you? And blah, blah, and put it on my back. Perfect, just for you. And that was it. From then on, I went to training. I went to everything. So that's that's how it started.
0: I want to ask you about your role as a, on community radio. Um, how did that How did Ooh. that begin?
1: Ooh, that uh, is one of those things that I guess the war would be predominantly what triggered off the passion in me because uh, I saw number of. Uh, Lies, to put it bluntly, uh, being portrayed and being stated everywhere about Croats this, Croats that, and uh, well, I don't want to get into politics of it because I've never been politically uh, active, nor do I really want to. And I'm a firm believer that most Croats were not politically really keen to get involved. Mm-hmm. Consequently, we don't have many politicians in Australia from Croatian background. Right. Uh, sport, yes, but not politics. That's, that's part of our makeup. Yes, I, I couldn't sit back and actually watch my family home. My grandfather's building uh, being been blown up by Yugoslav tank and army. And mm-hmm. while they were blown on television, I saw the footage, the guys saying, these are Ustashe's. And I thought, Ustashi? Ustashi is where the the Second World War or pre-Second World War group of people. Ustashi means uh, you are a person that stands up, basically, to mm-hmm. whoever. Uh, yeah. And I thought, why are you considering? But Hey, when I was there, I was considered to be Yugoslav. Mm. When I was a young boy in school, I had to learn all this propaganda from communist parties, salute Tito, you know, and given the little red booklet to encouragement to become, you know, member of the uh, little pioneers, what they call it, you know, comrades yeah. and that sort of thing. And suddenly I'm here in Australia, but we all fascists, we all roustaches.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What, mm-hmm. why? And I could see the lies, I could, you could see through it. You know it from, from, the, from your background, from your, yourself. So I, I wanted to go to radio. I wanted to actually do my share for the community. Uh, I wanted to see what's
0: the way to put the Croatian side of the story.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, apart from the fact that I like music and that I like radio, yeah. that I like uh, being active. I was always, you know, in some way active because I became the youngest uh, committee uh, member in Croatian community i was only 18 i became the secretary oh, right. secretary of soccer club so there was a, just part and parcel and i found it to be rewarding actually you're not the president but as a secretary you got to run around register the players you got to do this you got to do that you got to pre-season work and plus the, the during the season you got to train you got to be playing you got to be the Secretary, so yeah, you got to be pretty multi-skilled then. Uh, it, it was good. It was a good uh, uh, springboard to what was to follow later on in life. You know, yeah. consequently, self-employed. and All these things actually help, and I believe it helped with my language too. Mm. It gave me that. Uh, I've met quite a few people from my other ethnic background who arrived around the same time as I did, and I'm met one of them will mention name out of respect and he's got an accent thick as a brick to be honest with you his english is actually at the level you would think that he's off the ship maybe 12 months ago because he was too busy stuck in his little corner he didn't venture out of his little comfort zone and he's got an accent you can almost carve it you know with with a a chainsaw and make something out of it And I thought, no, I'm glad I actually didn't do that. I'm glad I went out of my own comfort zone.